Well, thank you, Chris. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. You know what they say about your pastor, by the way? They, they say that he's omnicompetent, that he can do everything. And I think that's really cool. So, yeah, I guess that's, that's true. I don't know. But um, that's neat to have that reputation, to be someone that is uh, a good servant and someone who can do so many different things. Well, I, I bring you greetings, um, whether you're, you're online or uh, here in person. Um, I bring you greetings from uh, Mission to the World. Uh, Mission of the World is the mission send agency of the PCA. Uh, we're your agency. We're here to serve churches like this one and individuals who God is leading towards missions. Um, MTW changed about three years ago, and they asked me to start a hub out of St. Louis, which would be a Midwest region, kind of like a regional office. And the purpose for that was so that we could serve our churches more effectively, be closer to them, be more uh, personally connected to the missionaries that God is raising up within our churches. And I'm excited to have a team member like Dale Hollenbeck, who was here, I think, last year. And he spoke very highly of this place and of y'all. And uh, he and I have been able to uh, see churches uh, take the next step in terms of their global connection. Because we're convinced that as churches mature and grow, it's just so vital for our churches to have a deep and personal connection with what God is doing around the world. And I am so excited with what God is doing here in this church and in this community through Trinity and so blessed to be able to uh, really see the Lord work uh, in this place and use you to make a difference around the world. Thank you for greeting well. Uh, Abhishek, who was at Covenant Seminary, he is uh, um, the president now of PTS Seminary up in northern India, a place where I go to most every year, uh, have opportunity to see what the Lord is doing there and visit friends and just be a part of the work there. Uh, Abhishek says hello. I just talked to him on the phone just the other day. He says hello to you. And he is settling in in his new position as president of the seminary, moving into a new apartment. And uh, God is blessing him. So pray for him and for Chin, his wife, as they um, really navigate through all of the coronavirus things. And a lot of the students, the students are now online and they're trying to figure out exactly how to do that. It's going well, he says. Um, God is continuing to use PTS to train pastors and church leaders for gospel ministry. And it's just exciting to see that happen in a place like India where there's tremendous needs. I want to draw your attention to two documents that I put in the back. Uh, one of them is just the mission, vision, and values of Mission to the World. You'll see on that um, just how uh, MTW um, is a, a ministry and it's an agency of the denomination and we're committed to really three distinctives. The, the church. We believe in the local and indigenous church. As a matter of fact, every ministry that we sponsor, whether it's a, <clears throat> whether it's a relief ministry or uh, a teaching ministry, a school, has connections to the local indigenous church. And that's really important because we believe in the church, that it's God's instrument to bring about the good news of the gospel in, in, in this land and other lands around the world. And so we're church, we're church connected. We also believe in team ministry. Um, Mission of the World has opportunities for pastors to go and to serve in other parts of the world. But we also have opportunities for church people who are just leaders, who are just lay people within the church. Uh, we have opportunities for businessmen and women 
we have opportunities for God to use a whole team of people to bring forth the gospel in word and deed in other parts of the land. And so we, we are excited to be uh, raising up leaders, raising up servants to go and serve. We're also committed to streamlining our costs. Over the years, MTW has streamlined, streamlined the costs and has provided, provided um, opportunities where we can really maximize the resources that God has has um, provided for us. And so those are some of our distinctives. We believe that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And so we are praying that God would raise up the next generation of, of leaders, of missionaries, to go and to serve. Uh, we have a campaign called the 1% Challenge. Perhaps you've heard of it before. The 1% Challenge is not a, a challenge that's monetary. It's, a, it's really a call to prayer. It's really saying, would your church... Join together and pray that God would raise up laborers to go into the harvest field. As I talk about that, I'm reminded that uh, I've never, no one has ever said to me, that's too many. One percent, that's too many. We should really pray for a half a percent. No, we, we, we can pray for one percent or more that God would raise up, perhaps even folks here. And I know God has raised up people from your midst here and it's so exciting to see that happen. And praise the Lord for that. We're getting ready as the Lord leads and provides to see many, many new missionaries come and and fill the needs that are out there in the world, but also to step into some of our missionaries that are retiring. And uh, we're excited to pray and, and seek the Lord to see how the Lord works. We're going to turn our attention now to a passage in God's Word, and we're going to look at how God's Word directs us, how God's Word directs our steps towards missions. What is our calling as God leads us as his people? And how can we join in with God's mission? How are you doing on this How in terms of mission? Are you involved in God's work? Perhaps through praying, through giving, through being engaged with what God would want you to be engaged with within your local community, within your neighbors. We believe that you know, as you look at scripture, it's always been about how we are transformed by God's grace so much so that God's love and truth just fill us that we are we just can't help but talk to our neighbor. We just can't help but be concerned for our city. We just can't help but be compelled to reach out to our world with the hope of the gospel. As God changes us, we believe that God can use us and calls us to see our world changed. But let's think very specifically, whether you're here, right here in this building or online, think of a neighbor that needs the Lord. Perhaps someone that you can just begin praying for by name. I think of a neighbor named Eric, and I think, I need to pray for this man. Who's that neighbor for you? How can you be engaged in praying and be part of God's mission as you consider the needs right there in your community. And then how can God use us to make a difference? People are hurting. And people are looking to us in a lot of ways, to Christians, to see how do we handle the challenges in our world? How do we handle the division, the divisiveness, the anxiety? How do we handle that? Does our faith actually make a difference in the ways that we approach 
the problems in our world and in our lives. Well, if you can, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4. And we're going to look at two verses here in, in this book. We're going to look at verses 5 and 6. We're going to look at what is God's mission and how is God calling us. God's Word tells us that we are to be people who submit to Him and seek His will. And I wonder how God could use even this time to remind us of not only the grace that God has blessed us with, but the way that God, as He blesses, He calls us to be a blessing. I wonder how God could do that wherever you are. Here's what God's Word says, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 and 6. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, as we approach your word this morning, we humbly come before you, asking you to open our hearts and our ears. Lord, lead us by the power of your spirit working in and through your word to help us to be people who are on mission, on your mission. Help us to be people who follow your calling. Transform us by your power, we ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. About a year ago, I was helping out with a cross-country team. I love running. I love cross-country. And this was a team that my girls, my, I have two daughters, and they were part of this team at a Christian school right in St. Louis. And I was helping out with the girls' cross-country team. I was doing a devotional. And I think I was talking about grace and truth or love, God's love, how important it is for us to be people who love others with God's love. But also how important it is for us to be people of truth, that we don't just love, but we love with God's truth, the truth of the gospel, that both of those things are important as we consider proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And so I was talking with these girls about that, and I asked them, I said, now, if you were on an airplane, that's back when we flew on airplanes, remember? If you were on an airplane and you had your Bible open, by the way, I was telling them it's okay to have your Bible open on an airplane. That's a good thing. You see? And the person next to you said, oh, I see you're reading your Bible. Oh, I, uh, are you a Christian? And you say, yes, I am. And they ask you, they say, well, what's that all about? And so I asked these high school girls who grew up in the church, who have lots of experience and exposure to teaching and gospel life and church life. I asked them, what would you say? What would you say to that person? And immediately their response was, Oh, well, well, I wouldn't want to offend them. I wouldn't want to say anything that might upset them. I, I, just, I would be really careful. And they were really hesitant. And as I prompted, I said, Well, well no, they're asking you. To, well, I, I, I would just be really you know, concerned that I would be someone that would be too pushy. And, and I'm like, Wait a second. We lost this zeal to proclaim the good news of the gospel. What's, what's happening here? Shouldn't we be so concerned for our neighbor and for those who are around us and for our world that we are driven to want to care for those around us 
Shouldn't we be so gripped with the gospel ourselves and, and know the reality of the hope of the gospel that we know that we would be lost without the gospel and we'd long for other people to see the light of the hope that is found in Christ. Wouldn't, wouldn't we want to be motivated to do that? How have we lost that zeal? What is God's mission and calling for us? Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I, I think we need to be sensitive to others, right? We, we should be careful that we don't use, use language that might insult others and so forth. We, we need to be sensitive. But we also need to be ready to share the hope of the good news of the gospel with those around us. And even as a community, we need to be living out this gospel. I, I love what one theologian said, Christopher Wright. He says, God's mission involves God's people living in God's way in the sight of the nations. God's mission involves God's people living in God's way in the sight of the nations. What is God's way? Recognizing the fact that the nations, that the people around us are looking and seeing, does this Christian faith make any difference? Does it impact the way that we live? Are we people of love, of truth? Are we people who have a peace that surpasses all understanding? How is God's work evident in your life, in my life? Uh, the other the other day, it was, it was last week actually, I was I was somewhere and I was I saw a guy who had a Hebrew book and I, it was the Talmud. You could look up what that exactly is. It was, it was a Hebrew book. It's not the Bible, but it's a Talmud. And I saw it was Hebrew and he, he was wearing a yarmulke, so obviously he was a devout Jewish person. And, and I just thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start up a conversation with him. These days, people are a little bit hesitant to talk to you. You know, you have to keep the distance, right? Which is fine. But I thought, I'm going to start up a conversation with him. Now, sometimes when I try to talk to people, I, I want to be sure that I share all of the aspects of the gospel with this person, right? Sometimes I could be too zealous. Now, this time, I, you know, I just thought, I want this, this young Jewish man to have a good experience with a Christian. So I said to him, I said, hey, I used to be able to read Hebrew when I went to seminary. Remember that? And he said, oh, really? You, you studied Hebrew? I said, yeah, I studied Hebrew. Uh, I, I can't remember a lot of it, but uh, I studied Hebrew. And he said, oh, you should study it again. And so we just started talking. And he was telling me how he reads a devotional in the Talmud each day. And I was just talking about that. And I said, well, you know, I'm a Christian. And, and you know, I... I think it's, it's, it's good to, to be engaged in trying to understand these kinds of things. But I didn't share the whole gospel with him. I didn't. So it was just an opportunity for me to be used by God, perhaps, to pray for him as we left. But also just to allow this, this man, and I don't know where he stands with the Lord. I, it seems like he's a devout Jewish person. I don't know what he thinks about Jesus. But just for that man to have a, a positive experience with Christians. You know, as we are challenged by this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I think we need to consider, do we really understand the message of the gospel? Do we really understand the message of the gospel? Are we able to teach the correct message of the gospel? And maybe we don't need to teach every aspect of the message of the gospel with every person we run into. 
but certainly we need to focus on the right things. And then also, do we have the right method and are we ready to get on board with God's mission? What I want us to be encouraged to do is to be people who pray more fervently and more specifically, to be people who are willing to send others to foreign places where the gospel is not known and for us to engage more generously with our time and resources, to be good listeners. And that's one thing with this this man that I was talking to, this Jewish fellow, I just wanted to give him the gift of listening, to hear his story a little bit. But also to be people who go. You know, this book in, in Corinthians, the background, if you could see the how Paul started the church, you could read about that in Acts chapter 18. And we see in, in, in this church, things weren't going well. The church had had started but the church wasn't going well there were divisions there were church members suing each other there were there were controversies there in the church and even to the point where they were like Paul we don't like you we like the other teachers that come they're better speakers they they really have it you don't have it Paul and Paul's like, wait a second. And he writes and he goes and visits them. He calls it the painful visit. And in 2 Corinthians 4, we see some of the ways that he is circling back to these believers and trying to remind them of what's important. Remind them of how the gospel needs to be central in their lives. And it says in chapter 4, verse 6, <clears throat> one of the verses that we read, it says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With, your, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. If you're part of a teaching, if you maybe you're listening to a sermon online or maybe you're reading a book and the message is really about the author and the message is really about some sort of other thing and it's not about Jesus Christ as Lord, then that's really off. And what Paul is saying here is that we need to be able to know the message, the true message of the gospel, and be able to teach that correct message. Paul was contrasting the ways that his ministry was with the other folks. The other folks came in and, and, and they were called, he called them later on in 2 Corinthians, the super apostles. And he was saying basically that it's more about them and, be, and those folks being recognized than it is about the message of the gospel. The gospel message is about what Christ has done. Its focus is on Jesus as being the Lord. And I love the way that Paul makes the gospel so clear. And we actually read it in our assurance, in our, in our liturgy here this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the last verse. If you ever want to have a short synopsis of the gospel, there it is, right there. Verse 21, for our sake... He made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus was perfect. He knew no sin. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. So that in, in him, that means in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Praise God. Do we know the message of the gospel? We need to proclaim the gospel message with clarity. Knowing that we are called to love people, but we also are called to Teach them the truth of the gospel. Think about how often the message of the gospel can be misunderstood. You know, in the modern world, we're, we're kind of taught 
the gospel is do good and God will love you. And we're also taught you must focus on yourself. You know, you've got to love yourself before you could love others and love God. Actually, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that we should love the Lord God with all our heart, strength, mind, and love our neighbor as we already love ourselves. Those are two commandments there. We see how this gospel message can be misunderstood in religious worlds too, where it says, be faithful. If you're faithful, God will bless you. If you're not faithful, God won't bless you. That's not really the message of the gospel. It can be misguided. The gospel message can be misguided so many different ways. Just think for your, your walk with the Lord. How has God opened your eyes to the truth of the gospel message? Perhaps how is God even doing that now? Perhaps you're just trying to figure what that all is about. How is God reminding you that it's really about Jesus being Lord? Jesus is Lord. The gospel is not about us. It's not about our church. It's not about our denomination. It's not about MTW. The gospel message is about Jesus and his finished work on the cross for us. We need to know and be able to teach the correct message, but we also are people who need to be able to proclaim using godly methods. I'm going to back us up a little bit in this chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians in verses 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. There's a lot there, but what Paul is saying is, look, he's saying, we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Then it says this in verse 5, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. He's saying, look, we're not trying to use trickery here. We're plainly setting forth the truth of the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus lived and died and was raised again so that we can have life. That's the light of the gospel that Paul is emphasizing. He's not using some sort of trickery to try to get people to buy into some sort of product or even to follow him. He's not trying to be cunning or to tamper, he says here, with God's word. By the open statement of the truth. Perhaps we need to be reminded that the gospel is truth that we can proclaim plainly to others. And we don't need to use trickery, right? I was reminded of this church a number of years ago. And they were starting out and they said, you know what, we want to get people in our doors. And so one of the ideas that was floated was... As people come in, we'll, we'll advertise that if you come to church, at our new church, we'll give you a certificate for an ice cream cone at the local ice cream shop. And I, I, I thought that was a little bit silly, but they didn't do that, by the way. Um, you know, sometimes we can use techniques or use things that and methods that can stray from just proclaiming the gospel clearly. Don't we believe that the Spirit of God is at work work in our neighbors? Absolutely. Do we believe that God is at work in our city? Yes. 
Don't we believe that God is at work in our world? And that's the, the, the last part. We need to embrace and join in with God's mission. God's mission should be our mission. It's not about the church's mission or MTW's mission. Let the light shine out of darkness, verse 6 says. For it has shown in our hearts to give us a light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. God who said, let light shine out of darkness. What a beautiful statement that is. That reminds us of creation, doesn't it? And as I studied this verse, and I've read this verse many times before, I just couldn't help but be reminded of the fact that the one who called everything into being is the same one who's shined his light into my heart, to your heart. Let's think about what that means. The power of the gospel, the light that has, that has come in our lives, is that same power that it's called creation to begin. And, and that's the mission that God is on, right? There's darkness in our world. There's despair. There's incredible needs all over our world. And God is in the business of redeeming His world and calling His people to Himself. In John 17, 18, it says, As you sent me into the world, Jesus says, so I have sent them into the world. So we, we have this connection with what Jesus was called to do, right? By God's Spirit working in us, through His church, we are to continue the work that God has begun. And that work is to bring about hope to the nations. Jesus is at work. It's interesting, a number of years ago I was on a, a mission trip to Peru. And I was in the airport and our team was there. And there were other teams there going on similar mission trips. And there was one team there, they all had the same t-shirts on. Now, if your teams go and wear t-shirts, I still love you. But on the back of the one t-shirt that this other team had, it said, Bringing Jesus to Peru. And I thought, wait a second. Now, I know what they meant. I, I don't want to be too critical. But I just thought that was a little odd, right? Like, really? Like, isn't Jesus already there through his spirit working in Peru? How do we get on board with God's mission? How can we really consider the privilege it is to be connected to what God is doing in our co-worker's life? That we could be people who pray for our co-worker. We could be part of this incredible work of seeing people come to the light. There's, a, there's a, an illustration that I just want to read for us. It's a story about the accident in 2010 in Chile. If you remember in Chile, there was a, a, a cave-in at a mining facility. It was in the desert there in Chile. And about 17 days after the mine caved in, they discovered a note that was penetrating an area that they thought um, the miners might be. And the note simply read, it's in Spanish, but I'll read it in English. It says, we are all well in the shelter, the 33 of us. It was incredible. There were 33 people still alive after this, this devastating mine collapse in Chile. And so what happened after that, there was this rescue attempt. There was this mission to go and, and reach and try to rescue these folks. Countries rallied together to organize a rescue effort. With just a few short days, three large multinational drilling teams and their equipment were airlifted to that remote Chilean de desert. Do you remember that? Did you see that in the news? And, and 
Each team drilled an escape tunnel in an attempt to reach and rescue the 33 miners. They were 2,300 feet underground. While the rescue tunnels were being drilled, the Chilean Navy, along with help from the U.S. Space Agency, were developing a three-stage state-of-the-art rescue capsules. It was amazing. Nearly every Chilean government agency and dozens of other corporations from almost every continent were also on hand to help with the rescue effort. And after being trapped for more than 69 days, setting a record, by the way, for the longest time spent underground, all 33 miners were rescued and brought to the surface. Approximately 1 billion people watched the rescue live on television. Can you imagine what that was like for those, I didn't see it, but the miners to come up after all those days, 69 days underground, and to see the sun, the light of the sun? Wow! This global rescue initiative cost more than $20 million. And then this author says this, he says, what is missing from many of our local churches is this type of urgency that produced the rescue effort that saved the Chilean miners. As the body of Christ, we need to possess a commitment to every tribe, tongue, and nation bringing glory to God, as well as awareness of what must be done to complete the task. Do you want to be part of this grand effort to see people rescued by the grace of God? with the true message of the gospel, with the truth that Jesus is Lord, and with the love of God that we can share with our neighbors and with the nations. Don't you want to be part of this grand effort? God can use us as we pray, as we send people, as we engage more deeply in God's work by being generous with our time, with our resources. And perhaps even as we go, would God bless us and lead us in that way? So you're on an airplane, or you're at work, or perhaps you're at the grocery store, and someone sees that you're carrying a Bible, or maybe they just know that you're a follower of Christ. And they ask you, hey, I know you're a Christian, what is that all about? What are you going to say? Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for just the incredible opportunity that you give us to be part of your work. It is truly a privilege to be your servants and to proclaim the hope of the gospel. Yes, Jesus is Lord. He is our Savior. He is the one who lived and died and was raised again to life so that we can have life. And he will come again. And he is writing all things. Lord, we praise you for the way that you're working in this church. We praise you for the way you're working in our lives. We praise you for the way you're working in our world. Continue to open our eyes to the opportunities around us that we may be faithful to serve you as you give us the strength. We ask this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.